Hello, everybody. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer here for an Atlanta United 2 report. This was a podcast I kind of wanted to start up, or I did officially start up. I think we can say we officially did it. I think we did a couple episodes before everything went to crap, before crap hit the fan and everything got shut down. Um, But I've wanted to start a podcast, do a podcast for you guys just talking about Atlanta United 2, kind of catching everybody up on what's going on. Obviously, we just saw Tyler Wolf. signed by Atlanta United's first team. He's not an Atlanta United 2 player. He went straight from the academy. But still, I think it's important to know who some of these people are that are playing for Atlanta United 2 so that we can all become more familiar. And when they get their call to the first team, hopefully we will. they will not be strangers to us. So, um, But it's time to kind of get caught up on everything that's been going on. You know, We haven't really given them a lot of attention, the USL and Atlanta United 2. So um, happy to have Stephen Glass on the show. I'll have an interview with him on a little little bit later in the second half of this thing. But in the first half, we're just going to talk about exactly what's going on, what the season format's going to look like, what it looks like for Atlanta United, and then hopefully when we talk to Glassy, he can give us some more insight into how the team is looking, uh, what players he is kind of hopeful about, and uh, and his outlook for the season. So before we get into Atlanta United specifically, I do just want to kind of talk about generally how USL is going to reformat their season. So obviously, instead of what was originally planned for the season, um, like every other league, they're doing something a little different here. They are dividing the league into eight groups, and the groups will have either four teams or five teams. And just based upon how many teams are in your group, each team will complete a 16-game regular season, and then the top two teams from each group will advance and play each other for a spot in the playoffs. Technically, those two teams will, that is like the first playoff game, the runner, the group runner-up versus the group winner. Um, but those teams will compete, will complete a 16-game regular season only against teams in their group, except for they will bring in uh, four teams or a few teams for them to play to from a from a similar region to complete the schedule just to kind of make things work. Uh, the team that Atlanta plays, by the way, so to go over Atlanta's group, Atlanta is in with Miami FC, Tampa Bay Rowdies, and Charleston Battery. That is their four team group, and then the other teams that Atlanta United two will be playing are Philadelphia Union two, Red Bulls two, Birmingham Legion and Memphis 1901, whatever they are. Uh, So that's who Atlanta United will be playing. Unfortunately, games being played or games that were played prior to the suspension of the season will count toward the allotment of the 16 overall games. So Atlanta United, unfortunately, lost that one, 1-0. It was kind of a crap penalty that that was awarded. um, And it... (laughs) I was at that game. I was the only media member there, and uh, it was not a good call. Let's put it that way. Uh, Atlanta United kind of got robbed in that one. They actually played really well, and they sh- they were the better uh, team on the day. Anyway, unfortunately for them, they will start with zero points after one game played. There will be the five substitution rule, um, as has been previously announced, and as was as we've seen in other leagues. And then again, to go off the play, go over the playoff structure, the top two teams from each group in the regular season will advance the 2020 USL Championship playoffs, producing a field of 16 teams overall in a regionalized sem- single elimination bracket. Group winners will be paired with group runners up in the round of 16, with home advantage being determined by record for the remainder of the bracket. 
So the twos actually get things kicked off this Sunday, or I'm sorry, this Saturday, July 11th. If that date doesn't ring a bell, it should, because that is also the same date that Atlanta United, uh, the senior team, the Major League Soccer team, plays uh, in MLS's back tournament. Unfortunately, it's kind of a bummer. These two teams are going to be playing at almost the exact same time. Atlanta United 2 kicks off 30 minutes or is scheduled to kick off 30 minutes before Atlanta United that that night. So um, as we've had no soccer over the past three months where we were all expecting it, now we're going to be getting two of our teams playing at the same time, um, and it's going to be kind of difficult to follow both. Uh, but just so you know, uh, you can if you have an iPad or, or a second screen, um, pull them up. They're going to be on ESPN+. Plus. All these games, of course, are going to be on ESPN+, Plus, just as they have been um, as per the agreement that USL has with ESPN. Looking at the schedule for Atlanta, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of your typical kind of home away, home away, alternating at the beginning of the season. But then in the middle of the season, they have a long road trip or they're playing most of their games away from home. It looks like one home game out of five. So they've got four out of a stretch of four out of five road games stretching from August 8th to September 2nd. So over a course of about a month, they're playing mostly on the road. But then that that last month of the season, they've got three consecutive home games in the month of September, followed by the uh, the last game of the season of the regular season against Miami FC. And who knows? Maybe in this format, Atlanta United has a better chance of um, you know making their way up the table. It's going to be a sh- obviously a shorter season, so a little bit more volatility. I feel like Atlanta United too is one of these clubs that if they get hot, they can they could definitely make it to the playoffs, and it would be exciting to see this team actually make a playoff run. Of course, we kind of know the situation with this team is that it they they obviously want to perform well they want to get those results and everything but they also have a mandate to try to keep first team players as fresh as possible um and and try to work through some of these guys kind of serve another purpose as well as just um, trying to get wins on the field so we'll be interesting to kind of see if they can get hot I, I would love to see this team um have some success because they all work super hard they're on you know when we're there training every day at lenny nine two players are there as well and uh i think you know they deserve to have some success um one thing to note as well, and I, again, I'll be talking to Glassy about this, Atlanta United 2 signed Patrick Nielsen. Uh, Patrick Nielsen was drafted by Atlanta United with the number 23 overall pick in the 2020 MLS Super Draft. And I'll just tell you what Glassy had to say in the press release. He said, Patrick joins us following a successful college career, and we are excited to see him grow at the professional level. We will push him to emulate the successes of fellow center backs that have recently come through Atlanta United 2 and featured for the first team. He's a big guy. He's from Denmark. He's 6'4", went to Michigan State. Um, Again, like Lassie said, had had a very distinguished college career. He totaled 33 appearances with three goals and three assists while being named to the first team All-Big Ten in 2018 and second team in 2019. Nielsen started all 23 games for the Spartans in 2018 and anchored the back line. That allowed just 22 goals in 23 games. Uh, that year. So um, did well in college. We'll see if that can translate. I know Frank DeBoer had singled him out a couple times when he was training with the first team uh, way back when. He suffered some injuries when he was playing with uh, with the first team when he was training with them. So uh, hopefully all that is behind him and he can get off to a, a great career with Atlanta United too. And just a couple other uh, roster moves that I feel like we should touch on before we talk to Glassy here. Um, 
Luis Fernando was released by the team. Um, not sure exactly why he was released. Of course, that happened when Jurgen Dam uh, was signed and they needed to clear an international slot for him. Not sure why Luis Fernando was released when he could have been. They could have freed up the international spot by giving him a season long loan to Atlanta United, too, uh, which, of course, is where he was playing before he got his first team deal. Um, so not sure what happened there, but um, sadly we will not be able to see Luis Fernando play uh, for Atlanta United, um, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, another interesting piece of news that came across and kind of made a little bit of uh, news, we're chatting about it on Twitter and stuff, is that John Gallagher is back from his loan at Aberdeen. Gallagher made 33 appearances for Aberdeen across all competitions. While he was there, he made 22 league appearances and scored one goal, so... Um, you know, good to see that he was a regular getting getting regular games. He also appeared in six Europa League matches and recorded three assists. Of course, those Europa League matches are kind of um, it's been quite diluted <laughs> the Europa League. So uh, he was selected. Uh, well, I thought, yeah, that's just going into some background. He was selected 14th by Atlanta uh, in the Super Draft in 2018. And he hasn't actually made his MLS debut yet, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of Atlanta United fans know who he is and we've talked a lot about him. Maybe it's because he was that first round draft pick and maybe it's because he's kind of been, he's been an interesting player to follow during his Atlanta United 2 career because he came on as like an attacking winger, like a cut inside, cut onto the right foot and try to have a go on goal. And I remember watching him, he did shoot quite often i mean he was pretty effective in that role but uh now he's been converted pretty much fully to a right back and that looks like his position of the future i continue to think he will play with atlanta united too i'm not sure if glassy will be able to give us any uh insight into that right now gallagher is down in orlando with the first team but i just i expect him to be playing with atlanta united too because he needs the minutes and he i don't i just don't see them being there for him with the first team, they've, there's just so much depth in that particular position with Atlanta United. When you look at Franco Escobar, uh, Brooks Lennon can play on that right side. Jurgen Dam could potentially play as a right wing back. Probably not, but maybe. Um, but also uh, Anton Walks. You know, you guys got lots of guys who can play in that role. And I think that uh, at this point in his career, John Gallagher would benefit from the minutes. So with that out of the way, let's get right into this Stephen Glass interview. But first, let's hear from a sponsor. All right, well, I'm happy to be able to welcome back onto the show Atlanta United 2 manager, head coach Stephen Glass. Glassy, how did you deal with the pandemic? Were you able to get home to Scotland, do anything interesting? How, how, how's your time been? Yeah, well, we, we actually stayed here in Marietta. Uh, myself and my wife, we decided quite early we would love to go back and see the family. Uh, but the way things, Scotland locked down pretty quick, so we couldn't actually spend any time with them without quarantining and then really being with them. Uh, and then... More, as, just as importantly, we probably couldn't get back in the country to do, to do the work if the season restarted and the training restarted. So I wanted to make sure I was in a position that we could get back to work as soon as we could if it, if it opened up. So I'm glad, I'm glad we took that decision. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering even further, like how, how does a coach deal with something like this psychologically? Because, I, I mean, I've been around you guys enough that – I know you guys have your routines, and there's nothing you guys love more than, you know, being out there every morning with the players, drilling them, you know, running them around. That's kind of what get, what, get, what makes your life full to an extent. And, uh, yeah. and And so just, like, how, how do you find yourself dealing with this, like, from a psychological, emotional perspective? If, 
we, but myself and Henry, we actually decided quite early again that it was important that we didn't bombard the players. Uh, they're obviously, they're young guys, a lot of them are away from home, staying in apartments and things. That We just stayed pretty connected to them, giving them a few little tasks here and there, uh, analysis type stuff, keeping them engaged in, in what we want them to do when we come back playing. But it wasn't a test as such, it was a good way to get to know the players. So we, we did that, that was good for the keeping keeping up with the group and keeping engaged with them and keeping connected to them. So we actually enjoyed that side of it. Uh, the, the, the bit that was kind of frustrating was you never knew when you were going to be coming back. So we were always, it was always a waiting game, what do we do next, what do we do next? But we didn't do anything for the sake of it. We gave them a little bit of time to rest. We gave them plenty of little bits and pieces to be focusing on so that they could actually manage their own minds as well, which was just as important for us that we looked after them as people. Well, that's really interesting. And speaking of the players, I'm also kind of interested to hear your thoughts on, like, what would you say are the biggest challenges for players, not just at Atlanta United too, but for players in these kinds of on these kinds of teams all over the world in having to spend so much time away from the facilities? I have to imagine just having some personal... Um, discipline and kind of like that mental strength is going to be one of the most important factors for players. Is that is that kind of something that you would agree with? And, and what kind of have been your experiences? Uh, the, well, only my experience of this, because this has obviously oh, never yeah. happened before. But it's, yeah, the well, Ricardo, the fitness coach as well, was good with him. So he gave him a program that basically te- kept him ticking over uh, within the remit of being sensible and social distancing when they were locked down, obviously. So there was places they could go that was not near anyone where they could run a little bit and that sort of thing to look after their bodies. And we did circuits with them online where we would take part every week, that sort of thing, without equipment on your balcony, on your patio, wherever. Right. So so that was good. Uh, and t- in terms of the players' mentality, again, I think when there's not an end date to work towards or a start date, uh, an end date of the quarantine and the start date of the, the playing again is very difficult. So we, we understand that of the players. So you can you can't put too many demands on them other than the, the kind of the, the workload that Ricardo's putting together with sports science to make sure that they're ready when they were allowed to come in in the individual basis. Mm-hmm. So that that was probably their biggest test was not having a start date to work towards. It's the same for everyone, but the athletes it's even harder and it's even more of a a pressing thing that they need they need stuff to work towards for sure yeah oh yeah i mean i hell even me just you know writing stuff when you don't know when you don't have deadlines it's amazing how long yeah. a story can drag out when you don't have that kind of pressing feeling I can imagine yeah um what what were your thoughts on how the team has looked since they've gotten back after the break i mean obviously i'm sure there's kind of an evaluation period where you're just trying to figure out exactly what you still have um in terms of you know the quality that's in the team what what were your what were your feelings on the team uh, the the feeling was they looked after themselves really well uh part, part of it is i actually said to them early on the stuff you've just done as part of a lockdown is not it's not crazily far removed from how you should be living your life as a professional anyway mm-hmm. so as a learning curve it's actually it's been quite a good thing so they've 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 looked after themselves really well. They've come in, they're ready to train. We worked at individual basis for a long time. We did the real, uh, the real small groups for a long time as well. Uh, we've had actually limited time as an 11, oh, not an 11, sorry, as a full team training scenario. So that's, they've been itching to get towards that. And then we've, we've gotten to that pretty recently. And then 
we get the first game kind of sprung on us a touch, to be honest. But we'll, we'll be ready for it, and I think I'm, I'm pleased with how the group's looking. I want to ask you about a couple players uh, specifically just because we haven't talked about them before. The first one I want to ask about Patrick Nielsen. He was obviously a guy that was added to the roster during this break. Um, I talked to him in the, in the first part of this podcast. I did my own little, just little segment kind of going through the news, and we talked about him a little bit there. Um, what, are, what are your impressions of him? How do you evaluate him as a player? Yeah, we've obviously we've not seen too much of him with us uh, because his, his training was kind of curtailed early. had a little knock early on. Uh, he, he wasn't available for the first game, which was unfortunate. Uh, but then, since then, he's been great. He looked good in training. Uh, he has, he, he's got the ability to become a good, very good centre back. We think that's why he, we recognised him and, and uh, scouted him through his college career, where he did very well. Uh, so we've seen him there. He came to our combine, did very well. So we thought he's one that we can push. So. He's, uh, he, he's one that we hope can do well. Is But I, I, I don't like doing the individual chat, if you like. Sure. He, he is a guy that we've got high hopes for, sure. along with a number of the others. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. How how do you go about like preparing yourself for a game like this? Uh, because you don't have... A lot of tape to watch, you know, it's uh, it's not like, and I don't know how much of that, like, specific opposition planning that you actually do, but how different is it now trying to prepare for this season in such unique circumstances? Are, are you changing any of your processes or anything like that and how you guys get ready? Uh, well, we've, we've had to because we don't have, we've not had the opportunity to play friendly games, so... We've had to kind of manufacture that amongst ourselves, uh, put them into game-like situations and get enough work to prepare them so they're ready for 90 minutes plus in the heat in Tampa uh, as your first game. So I think we've had to be very creative how we've prepared them, uh, which I think we've managed to do. We've got a great staff and the boys are on, on board about how, why we're doing things and they understand that the the result we're looking for is a big performance next Saturday night. So uh, we've we've taken part in some 11v11s as a staff as well. We've had the <laughs> extra bodies have been some of the staff lads. So maybe not the quality opposition that our players would be looking for and that they'll get on Saturday, but it's uh, uh, you're selling yourself they'll, short. They'll be ready. You're selling yourself short, Glassy. You're, you, I'm sure I'm sure you're doing quite well out there. Um, I wanted to ask also, just more broadly speaking about your thoughts on just the the new format of the season obviously we, we co- again we covered it in the first part of the podcast but it's going to be broken down into groups and all that stuff um yeah I, you guys are going to become you guys are going to know these teams really well by the end of the season uh, does that change anything for you hey i don't think so because i think the way the the way that we kind of analyze other teams and things like that i think we're pretty diligent on how we do it there's obviously going to be more opportunity to do that maybe coaches get a little bit creative and change things up try to be try to be clever and throw you a surprise that sort of thing but i think the most important thing is that we're prepared for any eventuality which is which is the aim for what we do anyway to prepare these individuals so as a team we'll be prepared for playing against different shapes styles uh experiences that sort of thing uh, and it might change throughout the season as well that the away game might have no fans, then there might be a big number, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we need to be prepared for a lot of different things. But I think the, the format itself makes sense. Uh, there's a couple in there that I, I don't know why we'd be flying or driving potentially to Philadelphia yeah, when, yeah. We, when, when we don't go to Charlotte, we don't go to North Carolina. But the, the people that put the league together have got 
a huge job in making a, a fixture list. So I, w- I wouldn't doubt them on it, but obviously I, you looked at it from your own standpoint and there's probably more travelable games available. Yeah. Yeah, definitely did note. Yeah, did notice that one. Honestly, even the group that that you guys are in, you know, Miami is a pretty. That's a tough trip. Uh, even Tampa Bay isn't super super close. You know, you've got Birmingham and Charlotte, like you said, yeah. that are kind of closer, and they're in a different region. But um, uh, th- does you know the season obviously is going to be shortened in terms of the number of games, and that essentially means that every game has even more value than it normally would have in terms of trying to get a spot in the postseason. Does that kind of um, does that energize you or, or the players any that that just the fact that you know a shorter season is going to mean there's more volatility between the teams you know there's bigger better chance of anybody kind of making it does it feel like there's some um, I don't want to say renewed sense of, sense of optimism because you guys always are optimistic about the season but just does it give yeah. you that does it give it, give you a positive feeling about your chances to make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think I think it gives us a chance because we know we know what we're capable of anyway. Uh, and then the, the type of the type of run that we went on late in the season last year. If you, if you do that over the course of the the twelve, uh, sorry, we did it for probably seven eight games. If you do that over the course of the the fifteen sixteen games that we've got, then you could be in a really good spot come the playoffs. Obviously, the the flip side of that is if you go through a spell where you don't win a game, then you're you've got no chance of being up there. But I think uh, I think the quality and ability that we've got in the group, I think we'll be able to look after ourselves and stay in the hunt for, I think, the majority of the season. All right, Glassy. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to answer these questions for us. And uh, so far, you've been our only guest on this show since, since we started because of this <laughs> hiatus. So I'm sure it won't be the last time that you're the guest on this show, but um, always good catching up and chatting with you. I hope we can do it again soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, man.